0: Who knows, I'm always excited to bring the Word of God to people on Sundays. No? It's never come across? Okay. Well, I'm actually really excited this morning, because somebody else is bringing the Word of God this morning. So uh, I'd like you to uh, give a, a warm and excited welcome to Brendan as he comes up. Good morning. It's good to be here. I've been, uh, I've been absent for three weeks and I am missing you guys. You're a handsome bunch of people. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're really good looking. <laughs> <laughs> hands up, who didn't mean that? <laughs> Don't put your hands up. <gasps> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hey, let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, that your word is true and it speaks to our heart and it changes our lives. And so we pray that your word would be here this morning and it would speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. David, can I just get Minnie me on stage with me, please? A Muslim, a Jew and a New Ager get into an Uber. And that sounds like the start of a joke, but it's not. That's actually my life. I've been driving Uber now for a little while, and I have had some very interesting conversations. I was driving with somebody uh, recently who was a Muslim, and I was asking him about, you know, what, how do you pray? And, uh, and he was saying, well, we must pray five times a day and at specific times. And I was asking questions like, what happens if you accidentally sleep in? at the 5am prayer and he says well we'll make up for it afterwards and I said how does God feel about that and he said he doesn't like it as much and I said that's interesting and so but you still do it he says yes we try and make up for it because that's an important part of our faith I picked up a a man who just moved over from Israel and I had the guts to ask him so are you Jewish and he says yes I am I said, what does that look like in your everyday life? He said, it's not very different. I don't really follow anything, but I'm Jewish. I said, okay, so what's the difference? He said, oh, look, I, like there, there is a Jewish religion and I would call myself a Jew because I believe, I just choose not to do any of the things that it says. I said, okay, that's interesting. What do you think about Jesus? He said, oh, we don't, we don't need Jesus to believe in God. I said, that's interesting, because I've been thinking, you know, the Jews are waiting for a Messiah. There's prophecies all the way through the Old Testament about this coming Messiah. There's something like 316 prophecies that Jesus fulfills specifically, where he's going to be born, where he's going to live, what he's going to do, how he's going to die, how he's going to rise from the dead, his parents, everything. And so I'm thinking, I wonder how this guy feels about Jesus. Because they've been waiting quite a long time. And I sort of wonder, how long do you wait? You know, and then I thought, hang on a minute, (laughs) we're still waiting for Jesus to come back. So I shouldn't take that line of thinking. And so he says, well, we don't need the visible guy to believe in an invisible God. We don't need to construct Jesus to help us to believe. I said, well, that's interesting because I would have thought that if Christians constructed Jesus so that we could believe in something visible, we would have come up with something better because he's not around anymore and he's not very visible. So surely we could have thought of something better. Then I was talking to a philosophy student who had, uh, had just started dealing drugs to his friends And uh, just to make some cash, he said, you know, I'm saving up for my Europe trip, so it seemed like the only reasonable thing to do. (laughs) So that's interesting. I said, do you ever feel worried about getting arrested for dealing drugs? He said, oh, no, I studied philosophy, and I'm a hedonist. And uh, for those of you who don't know, hedonism is an ethical theory uh, that pleasure, in the sense of satisfaction of desires, so satisfying whatever desire you have, Is the highest good and proper aim of human life. And so he said, Well, I'm a hedonist, and so I kind of figure uh, if I get arrested, I'm not going to change the world. So the world hasn't really lost anyone decent. I'm not going anywhere really significant anyway, so it's just no big deal. I said, Well, that's interesting. Then I was talking to a new ager about his experiences of traveling the world. He'd sold his company, had a lot of money and was just traveling around the world uh, and <clears throat> had uh, been frequenting an app where you swipe right. And uh, he, he, he started the conversation. I asked him, "Oh, what's your experiences like? And he said, you're not a, you're not a religious guy, are you? I said, well, not really. <laughs> Because he was asking like, are you going to judge me on this? I said, I'll just go away, fire away, tell me your story. And he was telling me the stories about how he would send his passport ahead of himself in his travels and and have one woman in the morning, another one at lunchtime and another one in the evening. I said, that's interesting. And then he was asking me about how if I'd experimented with certain kind of drugs and, and that app and I was saying, you know, no. And he was baffled. He said, who are you? He was very confused. And then lastly, I was talking to a university student who had encountered some Mormons. And uh, he was interested in what they believed, but he felt that there was something off. And, uh, and so I invited him to church, and he was here a few weeks ago. And he's coming to our Connect group uh, next, next, w- it's not next week, is it? It's the following week. It is next week. Connect week is next week. <laughs> Notices and preaching all in one. The world is full of many different kinds of people and they believe many different things and there is a vast amount of worldviews around and it's in the middle of that world, full of many different kinds of people and all kinds of different worldviews that Jesus chooses to make an outrageous statement. Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready for an outrageous statement. John chapter 14, verse 1 tells us, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the world to where I'm going, the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, says Thomas, who's always thinking about the practical. He's thinking, give me the address so I can plug it into Google Maps. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, here's the outrageous statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know Him and have seen him. I want to talk to you today about Jesus' seeming arrogance because he, he says some things which make him sound in the world today like an arrogant kind of guy. How would you feel if I, had a, if I told you I had a friend who said that he was the answer to the whole world's problems? You would think, come on, get yourself together, be realistic. And yet here is Jesus who's got to be the most influential person in history making outrageous statements. Because if you say something like that in the world today that there is one way to go to heaven, in the West some people will think that you're arrogant at best. At worst they'll have you arrested for saying offensive things. In some parts of the world you could be prosecuted to the point of being executed. In our post postmodern society we've got to get a better word for that if you tell someone that you think Jesus is the way for them you might receive a pretty negative reaction has anybody experienced anything like that this pastor Chris says well i want to show you this morning that jesus is not actually arrogant jesus is loving cuz you might think that about yourself you might think well i don't want to be so arrogant to suggest that my way is the right way. Jesus' claim for truth is exclusive to all other worldviews, But the claim itself is radically inclusive to all of mankind. Jesus' desire is that every life would be restored to him. And that's not because it's popular, but because he is the truth. And so we can be unashamed of seeing the potential in the people around us for every life to be alive in Christ. And the person next to you say, Brendan's preaching well this morning. <laughs> it's subliminal messaging in case you thought I was doing really badly. Now you've said it and you're thinking to yourself, oh, actually, maybe it's not so bad. You know, and my family are not, are not believers, and, and I became a Christian when I was. Uh, 14 or 15 in 2002 and there was some tension in my family when when that happened and I remember that me and my oldest brother Robert would have a lot of uh, hearty conversations, hearty debates about what I believed and what he believed and they were largely positive but they did get pretty heated Um, but sometimes I would feel like I was uh, an outsider in my own family Sometimes I would feel like they were making fun of me and I remember one particular lunchtime we were sitting around uh, the lunch table outside my house and uh, I can't remember for the life of me what they were saying uh, but something triggered inside me and I had had enough and I just started to cry because I felt like uh, I was being ridiculed. And so This is the way that my family tells the story back to me. I don't remember it as clearly. They say that I said, you're all teasing me because of my religion. And I I started to cry and I went off to my room. Classic story. And, uh, And they sat around and had a family conversation and they said, we don't want to be the family that is like that. So we're all going to stop teasing Brendan about what he believes. And so at first you would think to yourself, that's such a lovely, respectful thing to do to stop teasing Brendan. But what I actually found is that as soon as I was unable to withstand persecution, if you like, the Bible talks about Christians needing to expect to be persecuted, all conversation in my family about faith completely shut down. We don't talk about it anymore. And I don't have any platform to talk with my brothers or my parents about what I believe or even about what they believe. Because in the interest of tolerance and respect, nobody's talking anymore. Because they feel like I can't say something in in fear of offending our son or uh, my brother. And so I think that in an attempt to live peacefully, this happens All around the world. We have avoided conversations about religion because we think that it's polite. You know, it's like one of those things you're not meant to talk about the first time you meet somebody. But I've found that a lot of my Uber passengers really like to talk about it. They're interested. They're happy to talk about it. A common phrase is, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. The problem with that phrase is that truth exists whether you believe in it or not. So we can all be very polite and not talk about our worldviews, but it won't actually help us to find out what the truth is. And Christians can often take the heat on this because people will say, as a Christian, I can't believe that you think that your way is the right way. But we actually need to be very clear about this because every other worldview also claims exclusivity. Buddhism is one that uh, becomes very popular because people say, oh, in Buddhism, everyone just, it's, you just respect everybody and you, you, you know, it's kind of open to other religions. But that's not actually a true representation of that worldview. Siddhartha Buddha, the guy who started Buddhism, was brought up as a Hindu. And so he had to renounce major parts of the Hindu faith to establish his Buddhist faith. And so he's actually also claiming exclusivity. You might say, well, atheism uh, is kind of fine because you're just not believing anything. But if you say there is no God, well, of course, you're being exclusive in your worldview. You're saying that every other worldview that does believe in God, that that's not the truth. And so we shouldn't feel bad about claiming exclusivity because it's all the rage. Everybody's doing it. If you had a cure for cancer, wouldn't it be cruel not to share that cure? People say, well, if you think you have the right way to live, then that means that you think there's something with the way that I live. And it is offensive to imply that I need your Jesus and that I'm not just fine on my own. But that's kind of like saying it's offensive to imply that there is something wrong with having cancer. And so, no, I don't want your cure. I don't want you to share about your cure because that is offensive to me to imply there's something wrong with having this in the first place. So if we look at Jesus' statement, the only way that it can be anything but arrogant, offensive, and uh, misleading is if it's true. Because if it's true, it's no longer arrogant, it's loving. It's no longer misleading it is leading. And so if we look at that statement, we're left with three options. Number one, Jesus is just lying. He, he's not telling the truth about being the way, the truth, and the life. He's just lying to us, in which case he's a really bad guy, right? The second option is he thinks he is the way, the truth, and the life, but actually He isn't, which makes him deluded. And so that means we're all following a crazy man, and a crazy man has brought deep change in all of our lives. The third is, he is telling the truth. There's only three options. And when you look at the historical evidence for Jesus, when you look at his character and his impact throughout history, and if you look at our experiential evidence, the only option that makes any kind of rational sense is that he is telling the truth, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Why don't you turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to, uh, to Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 9. Peter's a church leader, and he's writing to the early church. He says this, Most importantly, I want to remind you, In the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? It's been 2,000 years. Haven't you waited long enough? from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood, and by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Here's the clincher. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Have you ever wondered why Jesus has taken so long to come back? It's a long time, 2,000 years. Well, first of all, it's only a couple of days for him. So he's just, he's relaxing. But it's because God's will is that none should perish. He is patiently waiting for us to repent. He longs for his children. He longs to have a relationship with his children. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he's not being arrogant, he's being loving. He is lovingly waiting so that he can have a relationship with as many children as he can, as many of his children as he can. He is showing us the way because he wants every life to be alive in him. So we've got, we got to ask ourselves the question, if God's will is that every life, Would be full of him. If God's will is that none should perish, but everyone should have eternal life, then we're going to ask ourselves does my heart align with God's heart? Does my will align with God's will? Do I wish that none should perish? Do I behave in a way that aligns with that belief? And if God's patiently waiting, do I patiently wait for those people to repent? You know, our church is all about discipleship. Pastor Chris spoke on, uh, I love my church Sunday, about how our vision is for whatever sees discipleship to be enabled and fulfilled. And I was praying about that and God was speaking to me about discipleship being fulfilled and what does that look like. And I got these two words, every life. And man, that was challenging. Because first of all, I can't touch every life on my own. But secondly... (coughs) It's not just the convenient lives that I can reach out to. It's not just it's not just the people that are really open and easy to talk to that God has a heart for. It's every life that he has a heart for. It's every person that's in my life that I'm called to touch and to disciple. Maybe you're like me. Some people, you think to yourself... <laughs> They're doing all right. They're doing pretty good without Jesus. I don't think they really, maybe they're wealthy or successful or anything. I don't want to disrupt with this radical Jesus guy. I don't want to disrupt their wealth or their success. Maybe they seem happy without Jesus. I was doing pretty well before I became a Christian. I was doing all right. I think you would have looked at my life and said, He's happy enough and he's going fine. But having come to Christ, I am so glad that I found him because I'm so glad that he has brought clarity to questions in my life like where did I come from and what's the point in all of this? What is right and wrong? What is good and evil? How should I behave in this world? What is my destiny and where am I going when I die? These are questions that people wrestle with, whether they look happy on the outside or they're successful with money or business or whatever. And so all of us actually have a God-shaped hole inside of us that longs to be in relationship with Him. Not just that, I would put to you that the truth doesn't differentiate between who looks like they need it. Gravity doesn't choose who looks like they need gravity and who looks like they've been trained as an astronaut. And I just won't, oh, that's fine. So like Buzz Buzz Armstrong, who's the other Armstrong? No, Neil Armstrong. It's it's their couple name, Uh, Buzz Armstrong. He walks up to a cliff and he steps off and gravity goes, oh, no, that's right, he's been trained in low gravity. I won't worry about him. Truth doesn't differentiate between who looks like they need it and not. Truth is truth whether we believe it or not. So we often think things like, I wonder who would be interested in faith the same way that I am. Or maybe I should invite my Christian friend to our Easter service, because they're a Christian and I'm a Christian, so they would want to come to the Christian service. I know they've got their own church and stuff, but uh, you know that, that, they seem like the prime kind of candidate. But that's not how God actually thinks. This is not God's heart. God's desire is that none should perish. He longs for every person. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, every person? Would you stand with me here in the presence of God? I think we need to change the way that we see people. If we align our hearts with God's heart, that every life would come alive in him, then we need to change what we see our faith for the people in our life. We need to have a vision for every life to be fully alive. So that means that the person that kind of irritates you, your neighbour whose dog is really loud and won't put it down or something. (laughs) Actually, that's your problem. That's terrible that you're thinking that. That means that that the people that, Maybe in the past you've discounted or disqualified. Maybe you feel they are unreachable. Maybe you feel like they don't need Jesus. Maybe you feel like, for whatever reason, you've written them off. Well, Jesus disqualifies nobody, and so we should disqualify nobody. So we need to change the way we see those people and ask God to give us a vision to see every life that we encounter, what would that look like, fully alive in Christ? Would you just close your eyes with me here this morning? Maybe you can think of one person who's in your life you you have regular contact with but maybe you've never thought to share your faith with that person or never thought to reach out to them or to pray for them, to share with them, to care for them. I want to say to you this morning, no matter who they are, no matter how far or close they are from God, God is seeking them out. His vision, his desire is to see that person raised to life. why don't you just lift your hands to heaven and we're going to ask God to give us a fresh vision for the people in our life so that we can truly see every life in faith coming to Christ. Holy God. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we ask that you would come and you'd speak to us about the people who we touch on an everyday basis and we thank you, God, that your heart is so much bigger, so much more forgiving, so much more merciful than ours sometimes is. And we pray, God, that you would exchange our heart for your heart. That each of us would have a heart for lost people. That we would see the burdens that they carry and we would help them carry them and offer what you have, God. Your burden is easy and it is light. Father, we just ask you to speak to us right now about those people. Maybe there's a question that you can ask them. Maybe there's an act of kindness that you can do for them. Maybe there's a prayer that you can pray for them. Thank you, Father. Awesome, God. While we're here in this moment, I just want to give people an opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not living in Christ. You've never experienced the love of God. Well, I want to talk to you right now because I want to ask you, Would you be willing to exchange your heart for Jesus' heart? Because we're not now talking about every life. We're talking about your life. I want to give you an opportunity so that you can ask Jesus into your heart and he can come alive in you. When we accept that he is the way and the truth, he will bring his life into your life that same chapter in john says because i live so you too will live so jesus wants to give us the fullness of life and all we need to do is just accept him into our heart in 2002 i made that decision to change actually i didn't do any changing. i just I, i just accepted him into my life into my heart and my life changed so I want to offer you an opportunity here this morning if you have never experienced the love of Christ if you've never asked him to come into your heart or maybe you have in the past but you've walked away from him and you want to ask him back here this morning or maybe you just don't know that if you died today that you would be going to heaven and I want to give you that reassurance as well because Jesus says he is the way the truth and the life so I'm going to I would love to pray with you if that's you. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can see. And we're going to pray together to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to do that, wants to pray to ask Jesus into their heart? Just put your hand up and I'll see that and acknowledge that and we can pray together. Fantastic. Fantastic. why don't you just keep your eyes closed and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you that through him, we have a way to heaven. We thank you, God, that you show us the way, show us the truth, and you show us the life. And we pray that you would come into each heart here this morning. Thank you for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.